There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's good, Internet? It is Austin Walker. It is October 14th, 2016. Joining me, co-host Patrick Klepik. How you doing? I'm here. You're here. Please excuse me if I cough into the mic. Cough, cough. Cough, cough, cough. I got big news from the bunker. <laughs> what? What's the news? I got a table. There's a table in here. So my computer is on a table today. Making big moves, big plays. This is Look. esports right here. Let no one let no one say that we when we went to Vice, we didn't become big time. <laughs> we got a table. We got a table. Uh, my understanding is this table belongs in another room, and the person who normally uses the table <laughs> is just out today. So I'm getting to use this table. Stop it! Don't give the you you bury the lead, Austin. You don't have to. You don't go into that much detail there's about also, it. Also, there's also the fact that like we came down here today and we got into this nice rhythm because we figured out a system that worked. And then and then what happened was our audio computer, Mitch, who is the audio engineer here, uh, was I think that's I think that's Mitch's proper title. I can't hear him because I'm for the reason I'm about to explain. Uh, the the computer that Mitch uses upgraded to El Capitan, which meant that the system that we had set up. Broke. Is that what it's called? Is it really OSX El Capitan? Did they really yeah, they've name been it naming it after like California landmarks. Yeah, uh, that happened. Uh, I recorded a separate podcast, Match Three, over at the Cards Against Humanity office in Chicago, and mm-hmm. that everything got broke there too with uh, a Mac upgrade where there are certain podcast setups for advanced equipment that right. just broke over USB. Uh, Cool. Yeah. So, so that's basically what happened. Like normally, what we do is we use, uh, we have my audio going into a computer. We have Patrick's audio being pa- like kind of patched into my head headphones through the soundboard. Very. For whatever technical. reason, that fell apart, and so then it was like, all right, well, Mitch is going to try to get get that working. While he's doing that, I'm going to run out and try to get my old like podcasting mic set up, and I lost the cable. So then mm-hmm. I was like, okay, what's my third option? It was going to be like a little Zoom handheld USB, like like uh, not USB, but just like a it's kind of a handheld microphone. And I was just going to record myself into a microphone for an hour while I had you on Skype in my earbuds. Uh, Thankfully, we're a little bit better than that, but I still can't hear Mitch. So so if Mitch is yelling at me, people keep coming in and looking at at this room as if they have it booked, but I definitely have it. Podcast Bunker, it is it is happening October 14th. Oh my god, we have our shit together. We have it together. We're getting, we're getting really <laughs> close. The funny thing is, like, I actually, if you if you listen back to the first episode this week, I was like, we have a big uh-huh. announcement coming. And then I got to be like, Tuesday, and I was like, we gotta push that fucking announcement back. It's, yeah, that's that fell apart real quick. I guess that's why you don't tease announcements you don't and you just shit. you just announce them. Yeah, this is why you do the Beyonce. This is why you do the the like last second boom, here it is. Oof, pal, surprise. But instead, what we did was, hey, something's coming. And then it turned out the only thing I had that came this week was this cool table that I get for a little bit. Well, I mean, personally speaking, that's a pretty big deal. It's a, I have water in front of me on a table. I've the last three weeks, I've just had like water or coffee on the floor next to me because <laughs> there's been nowhere to put it. 
So this is a big upgrade as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I don't think you should... You're underselling how good things are getting for us and for this podcast that we're going to be close to a month now with no name and we're no progress on that name. <laughs> well, the thing is... Mm, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh-huh. Okay. We, no, we've made some progress on the name. It's true. I mean, there's a document that we looked at once and then have not looked at again. That's, that's progress. That's That's progress. more than we had before. That's, that's more than we had before. If you had to file a report, if like yep. Joel, our publisher, or CL, who is like head of content or something here i was like what sort of progress have you made? yeah there it is uh what sort of progress have you made on naming the podcast we'd be like well we, we made a document and we went over a list and we'd like give the number of names we went over in the dozens so it sounded like we did a lot of hard work and thinking okay you know you're I'll, making I'll, me feel better about I'll, it I'll, I'll, listen it's my job to spin stuff so that it's clear that we're doing our jobs well instead of just like doing them to the best of our ability like that's the i know we're doing to the best of our ability I trust us. I believe in you and, and myself and everyone else here. What I need to do is go, when I report up to executives, I make it seem like we're not just doing our best, we're doing well. You know? Like, that's the that's what an editor-in-chief has to do. It's, I feel better already. I feel like I'm, now I feel like I'm killing it. So, that's good. Thank so you, So, you're Austin. killing it. What else have you been doing this week in games? Uh, I've been playing uh, a little bit more Gears of War 4. I've been, you know, out of town. We talked about that on Monday. And then the subsequent days has been uh, me recovering from a cold and recovering from being out of town uh, for a couple days, just mostly just very, very sleepy. But uh, I played a little bit more Gears of War 4. And what's interesting about uh, the game, uh, I don't have any really uh, sort of like substantial thoughts on the campaign or anything like that. But it's more that, uh, so I'm playing Gears of War 4 on a PC. Um, and, you know, they have this new Play Anywhere initiative where uh, if you buy it, Microsoft published games uh, on the PC, uh, you also get access to them on Xbox or vice versa. And it's absolutely a game you should play on the PC if you have the option to because it looks absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and it's it's one of the first times where I have felt as though because it's a Microsoft published game that it was a game made on the PC and ported to the Xbox. Now, I can't, mm. like, speak to their workflow or how this game was developed. You know, I'm, I'm mostly just speaking of it makes me wonder in a sort of Scorpio world, you know, that we'll be entering to uh, in 2017. Like, when you play this game uh, on a PC, it feels like you're playing what games are probably going to be like on the Scorpio uh, because you're getting, you know, sort of 1080p. I mean, they're saying they're 4K, but, you know, you're getting 1080p, 60 frames a second. And it just makes me wonder how that strata is going to work yeah. a year from now in my head of... You know, Gears of War 5 is going to happen. It'll be a game that is both on, not both, there'll be three platforms, you know, it'll be on PC, it'll be on Scorpio, it'll be on Xbox One, and, and in my head I just wonder how all of that works out. I, I mean, it makes me think, does PC become ultra settings? Scorpio is like high settings. Right. And the Xbox One is medium settings. Like if I'm to use the analogy of the PC. I'm kind of okay with that though. Or like it, it's almost like a softer version of the cross-generation game, right? Where like going from PS2 to, to Xbox 360 or going from Xbox 360 to Xbox One where something at the, at the borderline would cross over and be like, oh yeah, Gun came out on both the last platform and on this platform. Gun! Yeah, Deep Cuts. Gun! I know. I know. That was a <laughs> video where, game. This is where my head is. Yeah, that was a video game-ass video game. Like, that is a game that, like, was not good on the last generation of consoles, but like, oh, hey, you could go play it 
if you were desperate to play that cowboy game. Um, and and if that's what it is with Geared, where it's like, hey, like an Xbox One is like a, an affordable price in a year or two from now. I really love Gears of War. I'm not looking at this. Isn't the thing I do. I don't. I don't. You know, play uh, the ten games a year. I don't play twenty games a year. I don't play a game a month. Like I'm just all I do is play Gears with my friends on the weekends. Yeah, buy an Xbox One and like play it at medium settings, and you'll have probably a good enough time. Um, and that's kind of, I'm kind of okay with that. Like I've always been more interested in that sort of blended, slow progression towards like higher graphics or whatever. The thing for me ends up being, what's that mean for Gears Five in terms of gameplay design? Right, um, right. Like where are the things that Scorpio can allow you to do? Uh, maybe that's unfair. Maybe I am even interested in in like graphical effects because I, when I think about the first Gears. I remember seeing the first video of of the first Gears from that E3 where it demoed and just being like, this is incredible. Like, yeah, obviously we look back now and like I think maybe some of the art design can be a little off-putting. Like those dudes are just all muscle everything um, in a way that's like, Whoa, this, this is grotesque. But at the time it looked like it was the, striking. It like, was you know, striking. however we feel about it, you know, I think it's aged poorly, but it was it was certainly striking at the time. And I think it's one of the last few sort of holy shit moments in sort of like visual fidelity. You know, that's been something that we've just sort of lost as fidelity has kind of like squished together in a small measure of progress, which is probably just the way things are going forward. You know, the the quantum leaps we get are in terms of presentation, like virtual reality or augmented reality. It's, I think we are, you know, I, I guess I won't, you know, count my eggs before the hatch, but it would surprise me if we're ever going to see again sort of that quantum leap uh, that, you know, be, you know, we expected because of what was changing between, you know, 8-bit, 16-bit, 16-bit, 32-bit, and, and sort of right. that that sort of linear uh, progression that got so exponentially high. Uh, I just don't think it happens anymore. And that's, that's what makes me so curious. It's just what Gears has gotten, had me thinking about, uh, about what those games are going to look like, how they're going to present those games, because, I mean... Clearly, you're going to show the game with the best foot forward, but that's yes. not that may not be the version that most people end up playing, right? So the PC and Scorpio versions may look incredible, and the Xbox One version may look fine, but that's not the one that's going to be in the trailers. That's not the one that's in the commercials. That's not the one that's going to be at E3, uh, and I just wonder how they handle that. And all that ends up being extra weird now in the world in which there is a suit against Hello Games in the UK. Right. Uh, right? Like, because of false advertising or whatever. And that's, like, such a... We are moving through treacherous ground. And I don't know where to stand. Like, I don't know what my feelings are about that quite yet. Like, I need to see more test cases to, to really, like, eke out what it is that I feel. Um, but going back really briefly, like, the, the thought... The thing that does bug me a little bit is the notion that you could have something that you could theoretically have a feature, whether that feature was gameplay mechanics, whether it was, you know, character design, like the, the, it might be graphical, um, on a Scorpio or on a PC that then doesn't make it back into the Gears of War uh, on, on Xbox One. Uh, like, that would be... Or, you know, think about something like um, Hitman Blood Money. Uh, when that came out, it had that great New Orleans level where it was just, like, a billion people. Um like you could only do that on Xbox 360 and, and PS3 and and PC. I don't know if it actually came out to PS3. I can't recall. But like that was like, oh, this is in some sense just a graphical feature because it's just a lot of people on screen. But that affected the way that the experience of playing that level was right. Like even going to something like Mafia 3, which I really love, but like there's a there's a Mardi Gras sequence in the beginning of that game that like does not have many people in it. It's like kind of you're on like the kind of the alleyways out outside of the main Mardi Gras stretch, um, but like 
it's nowhere near as like populated as that blood money level is, and, and so it doesn't have the same the same like deep, almost like overwhelming effect. Uh, and, and so it's one of those things where I wonder if if Mafia Three had come out only on high end PCs. Could they have put more people in that space? But because it had to come out on Xbox One and, and on PS4, they couldn't? Like, is that it's complete speculation, but that's one of those exact examples of, like, what higher power can do to transform the gameplay experience, you know? Have you discovered anything else interesting in Mafia as you've been yeah, working I, your way through it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm definitely on board with, with what probably the bulk of people feel about that game at this point, which is, well, maybe that's not true. I, I think a lot of people think uh, it's another open world game with too much bullshit and not enough focus on the story. And I kind of enjoy some of the quote-unquote bullshit. You know, the, the basic structure of that game is that there are all these different districts and each one is held by kind of a, a lieutenant in in the, uh, the mob structure and the mafia structure. And under that lieutenant is two other people uh, each of which who control a racket. So, like, one guy controls the moonshine brewery and one person controls the smuggling in of casino equipment. And then under those, that that person, there are more p- people who are are need to be taken out. And basically, you need to, like, wound the racket enough um, that you uh, kind of bring the, the targets out and then take out the two lower targets and then go after the, the bigger target. Um, and that is really repetitive, and I've seen some comparisons to Assassin's Creed 1. I think it's I think if you actually compared them one to one, you would see that there are actually way more activities in, in this than in Assassin's Creed 1. Right. And I think that they fundamentally feel really good, like the, the combat in Mafia 3. They Lots of, um, I, I don't know if it's a procedural animation system or if it's a, a just, there are lots and lots and lots of animations for combat, but there there's lots of like shooting someone near a wall and then they like clutch onto the wall as they fall down. Um, or like when you get hit, you stop in your tracks. There's lots of like everything f- feels heavy and weighty uh, and not just in a way that feels like quote unquote realistic. It feels absurd sometimes in the way of like 1960s and 70s pulp film, right? Like it, it, everyone overacts a little bit when they get shot and that's really good. Like it works. And the same thing with the cars. I put on the simulated driving system in that there's like kind of an arcade mode and a simulation mode. And with the simulation mode on, like you're just fishtailing all over the place and doing donuts and it's the fucking best. Um, but despite the fact that I like that sort of stuff and I really do like a lot of the, the stuff in the way, my, my schedule means that, like, I do wish I could just get to the story stuff more quickly because a lot of it is really good. I really love Lincoln Clay as a character. I really love all of the supporting cast so far. Um, and if I had, if I was still in college, I would have beaten this game already and would have dumped dozens and dozens and dozens of hours into it. But because I am super busy, I, I'm at, like, 17 or 18, and I was at 15 at the beginning of the week. So it's not like I have a lot of time to push forward, unfortunately. Yeah, it just makes me wonder... Um if games like this, I mean, obviously, yes, there's the component of just the lack of time and, yeah. and sort of, you know, as you as you get older, you just can't kind of dig into things the way that you would like to. But um, some it strikes this game, which I've not played yet, and I'm looking forward to starting once uh, I'm, I'm finished with Gears of War 4. Uh, is this game better because it's an open world or would this game have been better or told its story better if it was a more uh, streamlined, focused, linear experience in which, you know, think of a game like L.A. Noir, which right, like right. feels like it had an open world, but it was really just like a big city that you were being funneled from one thing to the next. So you got this sense of scale and scope, but it didn't actually have to fill it with that much. So I think the thing is like Mafia 2 tried that and got heat for it um, because they weren't Rockstar, you know, and because Mafia 2 was a cool game, but I think it went against a lot of expectations in some other ways. I, 
I do think this benefits from being an open world game. I do like just driving around. Um, I do like some of the stuff that can occur because it's an open world game. So let me give you a quick example. Okay. Um, one of the open world activities is that you... So you have... One of the metagame things, one of the simulation elements of this game is that you're managing these three um, kind of uh, capos of your own, three three people who are under you, um, the leader of the Haitian mob, the leader of the Italian mob, and the leader of the Irish mob, all report up to you. Uh, and you have to balance what you give them. Like as you take over districts and and take over rackets, you can say, okay, Vito, you're in charge of smuggling now. Uh, okay, Cassandra, like I'm going to put you in charge of of gambling here. Um, and you have to balance their loyalties, and you get perks and stuff from upgrading or from from doing that basically. Uh, and you can also keep their loyalty and give them upgrades by doing side missions for their own lieutenants. Like lots of like, oh, go out into the into the bayou and find a truck filled with weed and then drive it back in to park in your facility. Um, so I was doing one of those and you know, that's obviously a part of the open world thing is just like, oh, I'm going to go pick up this thing and then drive through the city and get back. But another thing that was happening was I had just taken over a major racket. And so the the main bad guy, um, Don Corleone, it's not Don Corleone, um, <laughs> Mr. Scarface, it's not Mr. Scarface. Oh my God, his name comes up constantly and I'm not going to remember it. Uh, his son's name is Georgie. Okay. Scaletta? No, Vito Scaletta is your buddy. This, Keep going. Uh, this is bad. I'm digging a hole here. Vinny Carab... No, that's not it. That's not mm-hmm. it. Uh, mm-hmm. That dude sends hit squads after you. And they're just okay. in the Oh, open yeah, world. that guy. And so there's this, there was this moment where I'm driving this huge 18-wheeler filled with weed through city streets, and these hit squads descended on me. But I was, like, three blocks away from my HQ, from one of the, like, rackets I controlled. So I just, like all right, I'm just going to floor it. I'm getting shot, and I'm, like, getting shot through the window. The game actually has a really good car combat system because you can lock on to targets from the car and, like, tab through them like it's TIE Fighter or something. Um, and I slam the, the truck into the, the, like, back of my warehouse shipment area, and the hit squad, like, rolls in right behind me, but it's my HQ, so it's filled with my dudes. And so it's like when Sonny gets caught in the in the toll booth in Godfather, and uh-huh. it's just like, oh, this is, a, this is an ambush. Y'all didn't know. Y'all thought you were hitting me, but y'all are locked in here with me. <laughs> like, this is my space. And that stuff only happens because of this the open world space and like because I was able to just go from checkpoint to checkpoint in this in this zone and it wasn't a scripted thing. I, I I'm a pretty big believer in having systems driven interactions like that where like oh right the investment I made by doing this before paid off and I get to feel like this badass leader because my people took care of the hit squad. I didn't have to lift a finger. Um, so like yeah, I think that stuff works. I just think maybe there could be half as much to do in the open world, like mm. half as many missions or like kind of half as much side content between these really great cutscenes. Um, but you, you kind of get the documentary stuff and you get the kind of uh, just like the heads-on Lincoln Lincoln Clay story at these big gameplay moments. Whenever you take out a capo, whenever you go after one of the, the higher ups in the in the chain, um, and I want to get those more often. Uh, and there's also just like character stuff that I wish had that treatment instead of the kind of two characters standing in a space talking without any cuts, without any like visualization around it. Right. Um, but that's just games also. Like I just I wish every game gave had the budget to just zero in on every character interaction so that it was all really good. Um, so yeah, that's 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 what I've been 
That's what I've been playing. It says here you touch some Dragon Quest builders. Yeah, that that might be the best way to contextualize what I did was I turned it on and okay. I played maybe 15 minutes of it. But yeah, I'm 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 curious to play more uh, of Dragon Quest builders because you know I've expressed in the past. I think we've um, you know talked about Minecraft and and how I respect Minecraft, but was looking for a more directed experience and had a lot of people. I did not have Dragon Quest Builders on my radar. I've never really played a Dragon Quest game. It's not really uh, uh, sort of a JRPG franchise I've ever gotten into, so I've never really looked at the spinoffs either. But a lot of people were saying, look, if you're looking for a directed quest-based Minecraft experience where you have things to do with tasks to do and sort of RPG elements, this is the game you want to play. And I've only played about half an hour, but it definitely seems like it's that. Um, and I'm curious to play more to see how it pans out because uh, it seems really interesting. Uh, but mm-hmm. with 30 minutes, I just don't have uh, much to say about it. So hopefully I'll be able to uh, expand upon that in the in the next week or so. But I'm I'm curious to see more of it for sure. Awesome. Well, let me know how it goes. I, I also want to dig into it maybe over the weekend. We'll see. We'll see. So what's what's going on this week? Like normally I think... I have proved by the time I get to Friday, I have a pretty good idea of like, oh, this was the big story in games. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. So, re- I mean, there wasn't a whole lot. We're in sort of a, a quieter period before we hit a lot of really major games in late October, early November. You know, we've got... Uh, Battlefield coming out in the next two weeks. We've got Titanfall in the next two weeks, and then Call of Duty will be in the next three or four weeks. I'm not sure of the exact uh, release date. So there's a lot going on, but but news-wise, uh, weirdly, uh, probably what made less news uh, than than we expected was uh, so both Oculus and Valve currently is having their dev days up in yes. uh, Seattle. Uh, they're showing off um, some of their sort of like prototype VR tech. They're having presentations that if you follow certain people on Twitter, like uh, Rami Ismail uh, of Lambier. He's been <laughs> tweeting out uh, t- uh, bits and photos from what uh, Vice Dev Day is like. You know, Can you explain Valve what showing. that is for people who don't necessarily know? what It's a developer conference that Valve shows because Steam is essentially it's big enough to be its own platform. Um, so uh, I don't know if they fly people out or if developers just show up. I'm not sure of the exact uh, framework of Valve Dev Days, but it's basically a conference where uh, there are like, you know, panels, you know, people are, you know, hey, we've been on early access and here's what we've learned. And then uh, Valve is showing off uh, essentially their uh, evolved version of touch controllers. You know, mm-hmm. the ones they shipped with the Vive are, are totally do, uh, fine, but they're kind of clunky and not very ergonomic. Um, and they've got these brand new ones that look much more like Oculus touch controllers. And they're, huh. you know, they kind of wrap around your hand. Uh, so Dev Days is going on. Uh, and just before that, um, Oculus had uh, their own uh, developer conference. Uh, and, the, and the interesting thing that people were kind of looking for there was, A, uh, that they were going to announce a release date for their touch controllers, uh, which are coming out in December. They're going to be $200, so it's not cheap, but they are technically going to come out this year. That's and... 200 That's 200 for two controllers or 200 yes. per? Yes. Okay. okay. No. Yeah. Oh, worried. God. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think they work with just one. I think. I think you have to have a, a pair. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, I think sort of the the meta 
thing that people were curious about was what was going to happen with Palmer Lucky, you know, one of the co-founders of uh, of Oculus, the the face of the company, uh, both before the Facebook acquisition and afterwards. You know, as we've talked about in this podcast uh, not that long ago, you know, he was kind of wrapped up in being involved in some shady and unnerving uh, f- uh, groups uh, that were doing a lot of quiet uh, work to kind of support Donald Trump's campaign, and he was kind of caught uh, doing that uh, through a, an article that was in uh, the Daily Beast, I believe was mm-hmm. where that broke. Um, That's correct. And anyway, people are just wondering, you know, is he going to come out? Is he going to address this? Are they going to try and uh, hush some of the criticism? And as it turns out, Facebook has just disappeared uh, Palmer Lucky. Uh, Gizmodo has been kind of following this um, pretty closely, trying to ask people at that conference, you know, where is Palmer Lucky? And like the line from a lot of people is just, I, I don't know. Um, um, or they're, you know, they, the Gizmodo tried to ask uh, John Carmack, um, you know, what's going on with Palmer Lucky? And he just laughed and walked away. <laughs> wow. And and it paint you know it sounds uh, like oddly similar to like they're just they're just trying to not address the story which I'm not sure if that is the approach I would have thought to do I, I mean they're kind of a no win scenario you know if you send Al Palmer Lucky to apologize but he doesn't apologize for you know like a lot of, a lot of what people are upset about is that he supported Donald Trump um, and they're more upset by the tactics he used yeah. uh, is he going to go out there and repudiate all of that like how do i mean i just it's like doubly bad because trump keeps having worse and worse weeks like yeah like you can't put him out front say like i apologize now because like no dude like you backed the wrong you backed a dude who did some shit and it's 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 a bad look to step out at all right now, I think. You don't want to look like Paul Ryan, you know? Yes. That's not a boat yes. you want to be on. Yes. Um, and so instead, they've just chosen to ignore the story entirely. They haven't put out anyone, you know, you would think there's there's other co-founders, other leaders in the company that might have been able to say, hey, you know, there was an, you know, at least to address it obliquely and say, we're focused on developers, we're focused on the platform, just mm-hmm. nothing. Um, and... They must just suspect that, you know, it's going to kind of float away. And if, you know, as most news cycles go, it probably will float away. But it will come. What they've done is made it so that the next time Palmer Lucky appears, then it's a story all over again, as opposed to Palmer Lucky getting in front of it and at least trying to show some sort of contrition. Even if you don't believe him, even if you think he's just being a bullshit artist, whatever he said, um, you know, in some ways that allows people to compartmentalize it. And now they've just ensured whenever Palmer Lucky does an interview, if you are any sort of legitimate journalist, You're uh, going to that's going to be the first question you ask. Right, right. Definitely. Bizarre. There's the other thing that came up with Carmack this week. I just want to hit really brief, which was, uh, was this at the that event where he said that VR coasters are, or sorry, VR developers are coasting on novelty? Yeah, I think it might have been in his keynote. He actually keynote. said we. He didn't say VR developer. That is an important distinction because it's like, you know, you self-incriminate a little bit. That's a qualifier. It makes it clear that you're not necessarily, like, dissing other people so much as encouraging others and yourself to do better. He says, yeah. we are coasting on novelty and the initial wonder of being something people have never seen before, but we need to start judging ourselves, not on a curve, but in an absolute sense. Can you do something in VR that has the same value or more value than what these other non-VR things have done? And, like, Good question. I am waiting to see that too. Um, I, I mean, I think that there's been stuff here that is like a little bit better than, than or not better, but it distinguishes itself. I think I think that like 
again, the stuff that I've had a really great time with Area X in Res Infinite, um, which is still great on PSVR, by the way. Like, that still runs really well for me. One of the things that Thumper also runs really well for me on PSVR, but then I tried Rigs, and it, it, it caught me, man. It caught me again. So I think right now it's a... It's a it's a hit or hit or miss situation. Like some PSVR games are are a little bit harder for me to take than others. Um, but I think stuff like Area X isn't working off of um, novelty necessarily. But but I definitely appreciate that someone who is who has so much standing, I guess, in this space is saying, yo, we have to do better. And it isn't just back padding. Because like, that's the thing that turns me off from VR so much is the sort of like, we are revolutionizing everything. We are changing the world. That sort of like rah, rah, look at the great shit we've done is like the worst thing to on my ears. And so anytime I can hear someone who's actually in this space creating shit being like, yo, let's do better. I'm going to, my ears are going to perk up. Well, and, you know, I think you can easily point to, in the last 10 years, motion controls as something Mm -hmm. that got uh, wrapped up in novelty. Um, You know, I I think, you know, Wii Sports was revelatory and and probably to this day stands as the the one and best uh, execution of motion controls. Not that there weren't other great games that use motion controls, but there was an elegant and a a genius of the simplicity of of Wii Sports um, that really there were maybe only a handful of games that ever got anywhere close to that. And I, I think that was part of what doomed motion controls not that, you know we're kind of seeing motion controls kind of come back with VR mm-hmm. and 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 there being a better integration of that idea but i think you can look at that that history of the Wii and the Kinect and and the move of uh novelty only gets you so far unless you find better applications for it and so VR is in that space where the novelty can be forgiven but it's it's smart for someone like Carmack to be saying we need to be thinking further ahead of what does this actually meaningfully mean beyond you can swing a golf uh you know like you can swing swing and hit a golf ball and you can you know hit a baseball and you can shoot bullets like what are the things that actually uh take this uh, a step further and uh you know i think part of the problem there is that it needs time to develop you know we're in the launch period for a lot of these games and you know if we take that in the context of previous launch periods most launch games suck um and uh, it takes you know two years before you start seeing uh, the fruits of labor like that and and that's also uh, compounded by the fact that this is all pretty brand new for a lot of people. So the language of VR uh, is extremely new. The language of VR combined with controllers uh, is extremely new. So uh, it's it's not an easy question to answer, but it's at least uh, nice to have someone that could just be rah rahing uh, VR, like you know uh, Oculus, you know working you know working with Facebook. Uh, they could just be saying you know all the great things they're doing uh, to show a little contrition over. Uh, bringing people down to reality is is probably healthy. Totally. It's just a matter of what exactly that turns I into. I'm curious, you know, people who are listening, if you picked up PSVR, like, get at us on Twitter. Let us know how that's going for you. I am really legitimately curious. Um, speaking of gimmicky stuff and novelty and how those things have no value, Patrick, give me a number from 1 to 34. Okay. We are going back to the question bucket, baby. Ooh, ooh. Um, okay. I have felt like I've had a cold for, um, let's see, it started late uh, Friday night. Uh-huh. Um, does Friday night still count? Oh, we're going to go with six. We're going to say six All days right. where I have not felt great. All right. Noel, or Noel, I do not know, from Austin, Texas, says, how do you decide, and I think he, I think that they mean as journalists here, how do you decide okay. how much emphasis to put into concerns that don't really seem to affect anything outside the gaming industry? Things like the Palmer Lucky story. Nice. 
Nice. Good. 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 Things like the Palmer Lucky story or concerns about minority or gender representation in games seem like big issues uh, because I pay attention to them. But I have no doubt that no one I know or or work with, even those people who do play video games, has any idea what the, uh, that those events are happening. Do we risk distorting view of what's important by spending so much energy focusing on these tiny storms in a small corner of a medium-sized teacup? Patrick. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I think part of being part of, uh, ourselves being journalists or if, uh, someone like, uh, yourself, uh, Noel, Noel, uh, is that you're, you're part of that insular community. Mm-hmm. You care on a micro level that is different than the macro level, uh, that, uh, you know, the vast majority of the, uh, video game playing audience, the, the audience that sort of funds the ability for all of us to care this much about, uh, this medium, um, it's fine if they don't care, but I don't. I don't. I think there's a ripple yes. effect, right? Yes, so exactly. by us having this conversation, by us uh, discussing these things, by the the people that are this passionate and care this much uh, about the medium of video games, the conclusions that we draw, the conversations we have, ripple out, and uh, I think end up uh, appreciating yes. you know the medium of video games in a way that those people benefit from, uh, in a way that they don't have to engage with it on that level, but. I think you would ask, if you asked most of those people, uh, or if you asked some of those people, if do they care that those conversations are happening, even if they're not participating? Yes, in the same way that I don't, you know, games are what I pay the closest attention to. Um, I don't pay attention to other mediums nearly as closely because I just do not have the time. But am I hopeful that people are having those conversations? Am I, uh, that, that, my values, like the the conversations I would want to have are occurring in those places. And I'm, I'm gaining the benefits of smarter people, more (laughs) in tune people having that. I think so. And, and I think that's, that's how I feel. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty much exactly in line with you, Patrick. Like imagine a world in which I was not, in which I'd stayed in academia and was not writing about games for a living. And all I was doing was, you know, teaching and reading my marks or, or whatever I did as an academic. Um, it would be dope when I played Mafia 3. It would be like, whoa, they did this thing? Like, oh, I had no idea that this that this comes after years and years and years of ongoing conversations about race in games. <laughs> I, and I'm not saying that, th- that that conversation led in a direct factor to the creation of that game, but the fact that we were able to have those conversations is one of those things that if you're in the business of making games, you can look at those conversations and say, oh, okay, like there is an audience for this that is interested in these questions and will pay money for it. Uh, and, and there will be critics who probably will respond well to it. Um, and so having those conversations can help, can help shape in a general indirect sense, what's, what's out there. I mean, it's the same thing that happened with, you know, again, it isn't just about social issues. It can even be about the, the design of something, right? Like, I think you look at something like, uh, uh, the Witcher three and some of the design decisions in that game, like those come as a response to the, the criticisms about open world games in general, the criticisms about the Witcher two criticisms about Bioware's open world games. And, and that ends up producing or, or leading to the creation of something of a game that people who don't have a clue about those conversations can benefit from. Um, you know, kind of to what you said, Patrick, like we are the experts in this space who should be having these conversations. Uh, and I guess like the other thing, Noel or Noel, is that like we're I don't know that we are spending like an outsized amount of attention on those things. Um, I, I think it can feel that way, especially if you're one of those people who is like exhausted by having the same conversations over and over and 
and over again about things like representation or the things about about basic game design. Like I, how many times do we have to have the microtransactions conversation? Apparently, indefinitely, forever. Like we've had <laughs> VR talks every week, but like you know, you you build a wall by by putting a bunch of bricks into it, and at the end of the day, like everybody benefits from that wall, not just the bricklayers. Like we happen to be the people putting those bricks down and we have to hope that we're putting them in the right place and the mortar is right and that it it can be exhausting sometimes, but bit by bit you're building something really fucking cool. Um, And so that's, that's kind of my, my perspective on it. Like I, I don't know that, I don't know that we spend too much time on any one given thing necessarily. I think different critics and different journalists have their different levels of expertise and different interests. Like you and I don't talk that often about retro games, but I am super glad that people like Jeremy Parrish are out there like, and Chris Kohler and Bob Mackey. And like, there's a billion people in that space who are doing dope shit with, with, uh, uh, I just want to keep naming names like people, Frank Safat. Like, I just want to keep naming names about like, Oh, these people are doing cool shit with retro games. Like, and the people who we don't even know about, right. There's a, there's a game called, um, God, what is it called? Um, something Mizerna, uh, uh, Mizerna Falls, which is, uh, uh, an old, like, game that's sort of like a deadly premonition uh, in that it had like this Twin Peaks inspiration, this sort of like American mystery magical realism thing going on uh, and it never came out in English. This is a game from like the PS1 and there's a person who did a a playthrough of that game on, on uh, YouTube like a let's play of it and translated it live. Like the woman who's doing that is rad as shit. And like I don't need to be doing it to benefit from the fact that now that exists and and yeah, and exactly. gaming in general. Like someone's gonna go watch that and then make a cool game where that was its inspiration. Like we're all working in our own little teacups, but it's it's part of a, a bigger quilt that we're all producing, you know? So I, you know, I don't know. I, I can be a downer sometimes, but I, when I th- sit back and I think about all the cool shit that's happening in this space from top to bottom, from tip to toe, like it is, it is pretty damn good. I think that's a pretty positive note to wrap this one on. Actually. Yeah, like let's not, yeah, let's gonna, not ruin this by question, talking but... anymore. And and <laughs> I, I feel like just 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 we got it. Put, Put a bow on it. it. Let's do. Let's keep doing cool shit. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Patrick, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Patrick Klupik. You can find uh, my writing. You can find Austin's writing at vice.com slash gaming. Soon that'll change. Where they but, find but you? That's, but yeah. for now. Stop, stop it. Stop it. Na- stop it. Austin underscore Walker on Twitter. I think I'm Austin Walker Games on Facebook now. Austin, Austin <laughs> Walker, Facebook.com slash Austin Walker Games. I think. Yeah, I had it was when I uh, I made a fan page. I don't know, like a year ago, just because it seemed like a thing that I just to stamp. And I I was actually like upset at myself because my uh, you know the 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 name that I have across pretty much every service is just my name, right. like Patrick Klubik. It's very easy. So if you're ever looking for my work or, or anything, I'm saying you can usually just copy and paste that and get away with it. The problem is uh, years and years ago when Facebook allowed people to book shorter names for your own personal yes. like just your regular facebook page i did that one because i never even thought about the idea of having a facebook fan page but now there's no way to change it so i was like well i took the easy one so then i had to go to p Klupik, mm. which i don't feel good nope. about i don't feel good about that one <laughs> we, we did it we should have just said the we should have said goodbye on that other thing now i'm thinking about p Klepik, and that's bad it's bad that's not a good name that's like a login i used in the 90s for most things oh God. But then Austin Walker Games is also well, the thing, terrible. I just realized like, I could put anything after my name. I could have made like Austin yeah. Walker is dope. 
Facebook.com slash Austin yeah. Walker is dope. Austin Walker loves right? Max. I could have done anything. And I, I instead, no. I made it look like this. No, Pete, Pete Kluppig and Austin Walker games. Follow us on really... Facebook, I guess. <laughs> this is a weird thing. It's like, it's like, here's radical transparency. Let's like lift the curtain for a half a second. Like, our little corner of games is Twitter. Like, Twitter is where so many of the conversations we're engaged with are. But for the wider world... They don't give a fuck about Twitter. Like, everybody else is on Facebook. The numbers from Facebook are so much higher than you think they are, if you're listening to this, probably. Like, Uh, when we, uh, you know, at at Kotaku, uh, it was, you know, you published an article, and then you waited till you posted it on Facebook, and the way you would watch the numbers spike was just... I mean, it's you know, the larger conversation we can't really get into, but uh, it's it's also a scary yes. thing because uh, the the amount of control uh, uh, that that Facebook has, uh, largely because media organizations have allowed it to happen, and also just because of just uh, the natural progress of Facebook becoming this enormous platform, uh, there is just so <sighs> many people that read most of what they get because it comes through things they have liked on Facebook and things that are posted to those pages, and so in a lot of ways we are. There's almost there's no way to avoid yeah. it. You have you have to engage with Facebook. So we made Facebook pages with terrible titles. P. Klepik, Austin Walker Games on Facebook. <laughs> Patrick Klepik on Name our podcast. P. Klepik and Austin Walker Games present <laughs> Vice's unnamed new gaming podcast. Good. Oh my Good. god. Thank you so much Ugh. to Tim Barnes, who is our producer on this. Thanks so much to Mitch Racken, who is doing the uh, audio engineering right now. Our outro song, our intro song, they're the same song. That song is Miss You by Bowen off of his EP Pale Machine. You can find more info on him at bo-n-bo-en.info or at Bowen Yeah on Twitter. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you on Monday. Peace. But for the wider world, they don't give a fuck about Twitter. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.